This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it's Zach and Laura with Marriage Therapy Radio. Thanks for listening. Today, uh, we have a treat. We have an um, interview with our friend, mutual friend, Beth Wiley. Beth is one of the smartest people I know when it comes to talking about issues of step parenting and uh, how to do therapy with blended families. And I think you'll enjoy it. The sound quality is not that great. We apologize. We're still trying to figure out how to do um, interviews with third parties because um, we've got a lot coming up. But again, this one is fun. Uh, there's a lot of great material here, and I know some of you have been waiting for it. So stick around. All right, what's up, guys? Um, hi. Um, hi. Yeah. That's we it. have th- three voices today on the podcast, so it's not just Zach and myself, but we also have Beth, our long-term old buddy from way back when. We're bringing her on for her expertise. She was like an original member of our original consult group. Slash slash drinking group. That's what you're drinking, hanging out the bar group. Yes, things have changed. (laughs) Hello, hello, friends. Good to be here. So um, the reason why we brought Beth on is that we have, we sort of tease that we have a lot of episodes coming up and we're going to be bringing experts on that we think would better speak to a couple of topic areas. And one of the areas that everybody has been emailing for the last two years has been about blended families, step families, um, marrying someone who already has children. And so we thought there would be nobody else better in this world than you, my dear. So... Um, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do and what your passions are in life. Wow, that's a big question. Um, my name is Beth Wiley. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I work with couples just like these uh, two fabulous therapists. Uh, but one thing that I love working with um, are blended families and step families, and mostly because that's my life. So I am a stepdaughter. Um, I'm a stepmom, I'm a stepsister, step aunt, you name it. My whole family is blended. Um, and so, so I love kind of steps you get in during the day. Huh, you're funny. What a bump. Dad jokes. Not Adam. Yeah. Bring it. Um, so it's, uh, it's something that I really, I know a lot of people don't like to work with blended families. Um, 
And there's not a lot of, you know, that's one of them. Um, And there's just not a lot of resources out there. And I look at it in the, from the way of my parents. And so I feel like had they had help um, and support, they would have done a better job. Um, Myself, when I first I think I could have done a better job. Um, And so I'm trying to provide that resource for families out there that are going through this because it is a tough gig. Yeah, I remember um, I was part of a blend. Well, let's see here. So my my stepmom came into, I call her my bonus mom now, but man, I love that title when I didn't like her back in the day. Um, it, she, she now has been with our family, gosh, I'm guessing it's been 30 years um, because I met her when I was about five or six years old. So now you know how old I am. Still the baby of the group, just saying that much. <laughs> But she said, I wish I knew what I know now. I would have done things so differently when you guys were young. And she was trying the best that she possibly could, but it still doesn't prevent me from having harsh feelings towards her when I was six years old or seven years old. Um, I'm really curious, as uh, as a therapist, do couples come to you with the primary objective of we're a blended family and we're experiencing these difficulties? Or are they coming to you because they have strife as a couple and they haven't even identified the stressors that are affecting their relationship as we have a blended family and these are all unique stressors. Right. Um, I think originally they come in um, and probably have different goals and different thoughts around your question. So mm-hmm. the step parent might actually think um, it's got more to do with the kids. Um, the partner might feel like everything's okay. <laughs> shockingly Um, and and then through the stressors that they experience as a blended family I think then relationship issues start to rise so a lot of the things um that I wrote down for today you know so much of it goes back to just like kind of Gottman stuff that you guys talk about um you know validation and showing appreciation and having empathy um and just getting to that again so but they can't even get there because they're so hung up on kind of just figuring out how to have this new system work yeah um, so Zach, feel free to chime in, but I have some questions. What, what are some of the top issues that you see affecting blended families? And, um, also I just wanted to clarify for our listeners, what is a blended family? I mean, a blended family is, I mean, there's those two terms, right? You have a step family and a blended family. Personally, to me, I look at them as the same. I think mm-hmm. we'll kind of have them be different, but it's really, if you are, um, kind of a second marriage for one or both parties. So, I mean, mm-hmm. the whole system could look so, it could just be, I'm marrying someone, my husband had a son, so I didn't have children. I wasn't married before he was. Um, you could also, the both partners could have been married before and bringing mm-hmm. children into the relationship. Um, so can so is it the, the children that creates a blended family? Because even if you don't have children or share families, if it's a second marriage, you are still bringing two systems together that had a previous partner involved at some point that was removed from the system. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know that that would necessarily be considered just because you don't, once the spouse is, the ex is gone and there's yeah. no kids, they're gone. You don't really have to. Hopefully, right? That's like fingers crossed. (laughs) There might be some money that has to be exchanged, but for the most part, you're not having to see them or talk to them on a consistent basis. Um, Okay. Not necessarily having them to bring in all the rituals and traditions of one family into this new system. Interesting. Okay. So back to the the question of what is some of the top issues that you see coming into your office with blended families? There's so many. 
I would, I just want to start with saying it's, it's very hard um, to have a blended family. And just, I think that the expectations around what it's going to be are way off um, all around. You know, I think when um, the biological parent remarries, they have this assumption and expectation that it's just going to all gel and everyone's going to get along and it's going to be fine. Um, Everyone like, nobody's going to have an issue with it. Um, and the stepmom's going to feel like these kids are probably going to love them because who won it? And the sex partner's going to love them because they're great, you know, and I'm just trying yeah. to help out. I'm just trying to parent this kid. Why would they not like me? Yeah. Um, so everyone kind of goes into it thinking one thing and then reality sets in. And so I think that the fact that their expectations are so high, it can feel like a bigger drop than is needed had they got into it realizing like this is going to be really hard. And so I think yeah. that's just the first is just getting really like setting, setting the bar low. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a good idea. Um, and then you can kind of go up from there. Um, another, yeah, go ahead. Well, that just reminded me of the statistic that we're all familiar with. When, when you bring in a first child into a relationship, there's, what is the statistic you guys might know? Is it 67% of all relationships ex- ex- experience a, a decline in relationship satisfaction after the birth of the first child? Um, this is kind of an off the hand, but are there any statistics out there that show what relationship satisfaction, what happens to relationship satisfaction when you blend your families? Like maybe in the dating and courtship, everything's peachy and then you marry and then you bring those families together, whether it be under one roof or you share, I, I don't know what that would look like, but I'm just curious if there are statistics for people to help show them that the the idea right they might be romanticizing um what their expectation is going to be um i don't think there are a lot of statistics out there so a lot of with when it comes to families and set families um the research out there is really old Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of it a lot of like you know gottman style research let's say like in the 70s and so a lot of times it really focuses too on stepdads and not a lot of stepmoms. Um, and so a lot of the information out there is what it looks like for a stepdad um, and not so much. Because usually when, you know, back then the moms had most of the like, full-time custody for the most part, you know, minus a couple weekends. So the stepdad was the one that was involved a lot more. And so that's when if you're doing some like real, real research on it and looking into it, that's what you're going to find. Um, otherwise it's just, you know, a lot of now more recent, it's more stepmoms writing books about kind of their experience. Um, yeah. there's some here and there that you'll find, but why I know a lot of people seek me out is cause they're like, there's nothing. And we yeah. stepmoms particularly feel very isolated. They're like, it's so weird. Cause you know, 50% of the people are, you know, divorced and getting remarried. Where are all the step like moms and parents? Um, yeah. and how do we connect more with each other? Because once they sit in a room together, I ran a step parent support group for about a year and it was like, they were like, that's the first time they sat down and felt heard. They felt like everyone in the room knew exactly what they were feeling and, and, and why. Amazing. We actually, one of our listeners wrote and I said, hey, by the way, this is not my area, but do you have questions in particular that you would love for us to tackle when it comes to step parenting? Um, are there authors that you're really into resources? And she sent me an entire list and she actually referenced a mom group that she was involved with. That was all step parents, step moms getting together, which is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's really neat. Okay. Zach, do you have any questions or anything no, that comes to mind? Gonna, like, not let me talk the entire time. Like, I mean, if you let us, you know how it works. Women rule the world. <laughs> no, I just, I, I want to, I would want to say that I don't, it's not that I don't like 
working with, with uh, blended families. It's just that it's so, so hard. And then part of it is because the agendas are often mixed um, mm-hmm. because, you know, you've got this guy who loves his kids and his new wife and she wants a certain kind of attention or energy and he doesn't, and he wants to give it to her, but sometimes it costs him with his own kid. And then they, and then, and then the other mom is in trouble and there's no alignment in terms of parent parenting strategy. And, and it's just, I don't know how you take kind of the traditional sort of prioritization rules that we might, we might offer to like an organic family and say, Hey, you know, the parents are the, are the unit and the, and the kids are going to leave one day. And, and, you know, how do you, how do you find that, that you balance kind of the need to, I don't want to say like balance loyalty, but how do you help people understand where the priorities lie or how to, I mean, is there, is there a rule or is there a principle that that can make that easier for people? Well, it it is, it is different. So the priorities are going to probably look different than they do um, in an intact, you know, first family. Um, You know, and I would even, I mean, I I get what we maybe should say to people that is, you know, the couple is the priority, but in reality, that isn't always the case. You know, there are times where we give our children the priority um, and it kind of goes back and forth and depending on the child's age, right? Like when they're really little, sometimes they get maybe more of our focus than when they start to get older, we can pull away um, and spend more time on the relationship. Now we want to do that obviously consistently. So the the relationship doesn't go away, but in this case, um, there is a need. I mean, it's tough because you have to really look at it of how much loss the kids have gone through. Um, Mm -hmm. So there is a need for them to feel safe and for them a lot of the time to feel like a priority and having to balance that with that, with not letting them call all the shots. I think that's always the really hard part where couples or where families get, lost uh, because you know like the, the kid's gone for you know four days if not like two weeks and they show up and then it's like everything stops you know and it's all about them and I've heard a couple's partners say you know our relationship looks one way four and a half days of the week and another way like the other three and a half days like it's like a fully different situation um, my marriage is totally different I don't get to cuddle I don't get to do all these things and all of a sudden this child is the priority um, so it's tough. It's, you know, I think that the main thing I always kind of help people understand is if that bio parent can give some empathy on how hard the situation is for that step parent, that helps and goes a long way. If they can be appreciative of what they're, you know, giving and also giving up, that goes a long way. What tends to happen is the, the step parent starts criticizing the children. The children are being manipulative. The children are, you know, using you. They're trying to do this, that, and the other. And we all, we're parents, the three of us. Yeah. <laughs> you know what we would do if someone starts talking shit on our child. Right. Like, uh-uh, not flying. Um, and so then they get really defensive, right? Same thing as in, you know, relationships in the four horsemen. Criticism is going to bring out defensiveness. And then they're going to feel like, oh, you're choosing the kid. So you get into that process really quickly. Uh, so I think it's really important just to be able to say, like, the bio parent is never going to know what it's like to be a step parent. They're not a step parent. If you're not a step parent, you have no idea what it's like. You can have empathy for how challenging it is, but they're not really ever going to know. So if they can provide that and validate their experience, that that really goes a long way. When I work with step families and that starts to happen, the step mom, I work with mostly step moms, they start to really, that feels better for them. Hmm. Yeah. That's mind blowing to me because I I'm thinking about three couples right now that I have in my practice and I 
there is a profound failure on the part of each bio parent to empathize with how hard it is for the step parent. Like, yeah. and, and, and it's, and what you described is exactly what's happening. The step parents yeah. now criticizing the kid and the bio parent gets defensive. Like I'm going to, Beth, I'm going to use this, your wisdom, like <laughs> actually. So. Actually, you're actually going to use her wisdom. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm going to like, I'm, it's actually as soon as next week, I'm going to use Beth's wisdom, which. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you this. You had said that there's a lack of research out there that is timely, that is current, but there have been a lot of step parents that have written about their personal experiences. So we're looking at more qualitative data rather than actual like research quantitative. But um, are there any books that you would recommend for our listeners that could either give a bio parent more of a peek into, hey, your partner, also the step parent, is not crazy. It's not just her who's having this experience or him who's having this experience. All the step parents are having trouble with this. Um, or the other way around, just a step parent book that would be really helpful for a step parent to read. This is, I'm going to fail you on this one. Okay. The answer is no. Okay. <laughs> I don't have any. Um, I haven't read a lot. And I honestly think maybe because I have my own. Mm-hmm. Um, life that I go off of. Um, yep. I've heard great things about Step Monster, which is a bit older. I think a lot of us have heard of that one. Yeah. Um, and I, I think a lot of them, I don't necessarily know that. I think it's tough because when it's a stepmom's point of view, I think stepmoms love it. And often it's like, you know, like, because they get told a lot, you're the adult in this situation. And I hate that. And so I think sometimes they get, they read these books and they want their partner to read them and be like, see, see, see. And that's not all of it. That's a part of it. And I think it's good to have, you know, your community that can understand you that you can go to like why I liked my support group was because they could vent and they could talk shit on the kids and it was safe. Like it was totally safe. It wasn't, and they need to have that, but to take that and then bring it into the relationship doesn't always work. You know, there's, there's more facets to it. And they often won't read that stuff that talks about, you know, you know, that the children are the ones they, they didn't ask for any of this. They have lost all control. You know, I had a couple the other day and um, he was saying he we were kind of exploring how he can get really loud in arguments and he can really go from like zero to 60 and it's really reactionary. And he started saying, you know, yeah, I just kind of think if I express my feelings about it, like, what's the point? And I was like, but you, you know, he was a child of divorce. And I was like, yeah, a kid of divorce, like you could all day long say, I want my parents to be back together. It's not going to change it. So from mm-hmm. an early age, he learned like, what's the point? What's the, the point? Yeah. Connection of like how he reacts now in his relationship to how as a child realizing it didn't matter what he said, the situation wasn't going to change. And yeah. it's, you know, it's, tough to say be the adult. And I would have told people to like jump off a bridge if they told me that probably when I was a new step parent, you know, it was so hard for me. I didn't, I thought I was going to rock it so hard because I was a step kid. I was like, I got this, like, no problem. And I would stare at my step kid being like, he's not going to take that bowl to the sink and just sit there and like fume. And like, he would ask my husband to get him a glass of water. And I'd be like, get up, get yourself uh-huh. water. And, and now I say, like, if my baby asked me when he's 30 to bake him a pie, make that kind of pie. Like, no problem. So, it's just a very different dynamic that and feelings that you have, you know, for a stepkid and, and a, a biological child. 
Yeah. Sidebar, Zach, before you hopped on. Um, so Beth has her, her, is she five or six now? She's five. in kinder five. So she's in kindergarten. And so she said, this is day two of her baby being in kindergarten. And she was like, yeah, I just bake when I'm sad. So I'm doing a lot of baking right now. <laughs> she has apple pie on the mind. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh. I'm going to promise you that the day will come when you cannot wait for back to school. It's going to be I'm already the there. Day of the year. <laughs> I mean, I was excited when she's like, you know, now that you have to be I, I know. I know. I know. You and I just better to the wolves and yeah. he's special, obviously. Well, well there's two, one one out of three voices that that are aligned with you right now. I was telling I was telling Beth that my I don't know, it hit three o'clock yesterday and I looked at the clock as like, no, I need six more hours. That was a little fast for me. I think you need to be in school till nine. Mama's got stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what is another common issue that you see coming up between blended families? And Zach, I love that you brought up the loyalty issue because I hear that all the time from people where the response is, um, my kids will always come first. And that's a hard one for couples to grapple with. So I love that it's not the same answer that, that you would have with an intact family. Um, what's another issue that you're seeing come through your door? I think the having a lot of responsibility and the little control as a step parent. So you are often paying financially. Um, you might blend your accounts together. And so then you're, you know, a big chunk of your money is going out the door to house another person. That's kind of how it's viewed. I'm paying for her to live and, um, you know, I'm, I'm paying for clothes and then we have to buy clothes here. And then we're paying for, you know, after school and all of these, all of these things. And then I'm showing up to things and I am, you know, emotionally available, but I don't have any of the say or the control in what happens um, yeah. with them. And they also often don't even want me there. <laughs> um, you know, it's, they're, they're looking at you and one day they might smile and say hi. And the next week that they come, they would rather you not be there. Um, so there's very little reward that comes out of it. You don't yeah. get that, you know, with your kids, with, they could be, you guys could be fighting and yelling. And then five seconds later, you could be hugging and smiling. I remember as a step parent, not understanding that when my husband and, and my stepson could get into a fight and then they're wrestling a few minutes later and I'm seething still, I'm still so mad about what just happened. Um, and so that, I think that's really hard because it's hard to just let go and be, have that unconditional, um, love. So not having any control and when we don't have control, we get really rigid. Um, and so that just continues on that path. That makes it really um, even worse. It just gets worse when they head down that and trying to just say, I don't have control and I'm not really supposed to, you know, yeah. this ex partner didn't ask me to be a co-parent in here. Now that would be great. Like ideally if everyone could be on the same page, fabulous in 10 years, I've seen three couples work in a way that I'm like, wow, good job. Like, yeah, you nailed this. You put the kids first. You've all been friends. You have family dinners together. There is an awkwardness. Way to go. Rarely mm. happens, you know? Yeah. So. Huh. So, um, I, this just brought up a question that I had, which is disciplining. What are your thoughts on step parenting disciplining? Step parents disciplining their stepchildren? Don't. Don't. There's just one answer. <laughs> Therapy's over for the day. Thank you. you. Just, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen that hilarious um, Bob yep. one. Stop it. Yeah, stop <laughs> it. Just stop it. No. And 
Oh man. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm fully on board with that. And I, I think that it's been tough where, you know, bio parents, they want their, their new partner to share in, in this. And they want them to take over that role as like the mother or the father of the household and the kids to see them as, um, a a source of discipline or not, I don't know just someone that they need to listen to, but I have seen it go so wrong when that step parent is asked and encouraged and even, um, you know, expected to discipline their stepchildren and it doesn't seem to go well ever. Yeah. And I I haven't seen it much where the bio parent has said, please discipline my kid. It's usually step parent jumping in. Yeah. But it's different though than having the step parent having legitimate boundaries, right? I mean, the the step parent needs to have, boundaries within the house with regard to both the, the partner and the children. Mm-hmm. That's different than discipline, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. I mean, there's the general house rule of respect, right? Like everyone respects each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you see someone being disrespectful, it's fair to say, Hey, that's not how we treat each other in this house. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're coming at them very much like you're an authority figure, mm-hmm. um, particularly like, in the oh, hell no. Yeah. You, you got to back off. And it's, Ages of children matter too. Like if it's like a five-year-old, you can be more like the authority and they're going to listen. If it's like a middle schooler, yeah, right. High schooler, no, thank you. So, you know, they kind of frame it as like a high schooler might look at you like a babysitter. A middle schooler might look at you like as an aunt. They give you that much of authority. And then a child, like, a you know, elementary school might actually give you that parental figure role. Um, And now if you're working in that, like you have ages that are all ranged in that, it gets hard, you know, to, yeah. to, to figure out all that kind of um, who's going to listen to me and who is it. But, um, you know, I think the longer you're together and the more you emotionally connect and you build trust and you, you know, give the kids empathy and you're there for them, the yeah. more that you can start to have that relationship um, as far as kind of a discipline role. But you know, obviously, like just even with right. There's a character in the story that is not often in the room, but that I'm wondering about, which is how do you um, or how much do you see that there's actually a a relationship issue created by the the presence of the other parent, the other bio parent, Mm -hmm. right? Like how much do you see that that is creating? There's loyalty there too, right? Like we have to steward these two bio kids, even though we aren't married anymore. And yet you are my, you know, how do you, how do you help? I can imagine people wanting to understand maybe how to create some levity in that space. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So the, the ex is always, always, always the villain, you know, they're the crazy one They're you know, there was, there's obviously a reason for a divorce, right? Two people couldn't effectively manage their conflict. They didn't have alignment in their values. Um, so they split up and usually it's one person left the other. So the person who was left usually has more resentment. Um, and then they have, you know, fear that, oh, now there's this unit is becoming a family and I maybe don't have another person. And so are they, it says somehow this is my child going to be taken from me. Um, and so a lot of that will start to come out and that could be through, um, enormous amounts of phone calls and texts, emails, maybe yelling over the phone, differences of parenting. Um, and so the presence is always there. There's a term for it called the ghost at the table. Mm-hmm. So like the presence of this other person is just always there. I mean, even by having the kids there, they might have the, their, their, the ex's face. You know what I mean? Like they might look just like 
um, the other the other parent. And so you're constantly reminded that there was this other relationship. And so insecurity runs very like is a big deal when it comes to step parents. They feel very insecure. in their relationship, they are just, or is my partner and this person talking too much too often? Um, if the, the ex is speaking, um, like it can be really volatile. And if they're yelling, the new partner is like, how come you let her or him talk to you this way? Like, I'm not allowed to talk to you this way. You let this person talk to you. So it creates all kinds of, of issues. Um, and I think that's where usually the problem lies is that they, the three or four people can't figure out how to communicate together and again, put the kids and their needs first. Um, and that's where you start to see trouble when stepkids start to have, uh, or just the children start to have issues is because they're feeling anxious. They're feeling overwhelmed. They're not feeling comfortable. They don't know how they're supposed to act in any house, who they can talk to. If they talk about, you know, Julie with mom is, you know, mom going to get mad or, Mm-hmm. So there is a, there, that's a really big, I didn't, I don't know exactly what your question was, but it is definitely a big issue. I can just tell you that like my heart, <laughs> my heart started pounding and I was like, thank the good Lord for the work that you do, Beth, because it seems like it is some of the most challenging couples to work with. There's all different types of couples that come through the door with their own unique energies and issues and whatnot, but Holy moly on fire with blended families. There's a lot of unique, like what you said, it's just hard. It's hard. It's just hard. And I look at it like, if you think about a relationship, you know, in in the sense of the sound relationship house, you have two, if not three houses, like that are trying to like all kind of mesh together. Yeah. It gets really hard. And again, goes back to why it's so important to have um, empathy and understanding for every role that, you know, even the, the bio parent is being pulled in so many directions and just trying to make everybody happy, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's hard. And so I think if everyone can just, you know, communicate in that way, um, mm-hmm. at least you, you can start there and then you can start to build upon the house and really start to work on how together as this new family, can we create our own rituals and traditions and roles and all of that, that, was in another family you can kind of mesh them together but without that you know that foundational piece like that's why the relationships tend to not last yeah wow um is there any other like bit of information you said it kind of said what i'm picking up from you is that empathy and understanding is sort of the pillar of what what we need to be focused on with blended families in order to make the the relationship successful but is there any other tidbit that you want to add to our listeners that would just help guide them in their own journey um i've said this to a couple people before um which is, I think, as a step-parent, um, and even even for the kids, for everybody, there's a lot of grieving um, mm-hmm. that needs to take place. So I know for myself personally, when I decided that I was going to be with Charlie, I had to grieve the fact that when we walked down the aisle, it wasn't his first time. When mm-hmm. we had a child together, it wasn't his first time. Um, you know, the fairy tale that you imagine in your head does not include, you know, and they lived happily ever after with a child and an ex-partner. Like, that is yeah. not a part of the equation. Um, and so I've, I've given that advice to some stepmoms to be like, just grieve that a little bit. Like, because I think they can't get over it. They are still envisioning that. And so then this new life that they're having isn't fitting, isn't working, yeah. because in their mind, they still want this other thing. And and also to recognize the, how much loss the kids are going through. You know, they right. lost the continuity of where they live. They maybe have to go to different neighborhoods. They maybe had to switch schools. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they don't, they have to now get siblings. They maybe lost their own room. I mean, that seems kind of like petty, but these are big things. Um, and they've just lost their family unit. You know, like they don't really care. I mean, unless it's a huge volatile fighting, you know, fists are going around in the house. Like they're cool, you know? Yeah. And I think they would always say they'd prefer their parents to be married. Um, I mean, my parents have been divorced like 30, I don't even know how old am I, 35 years. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm like, it would be easier even as an adult, if they were married, you know, that I wow. spend, you know, different holidays and figuring out who to visit and when. Um, yeah. There's so much, you know, just different sets of families that have to try to make happy and spend time with and relationships to build and form. Yeah. Wow. Um, how can our listeners find you? Can they get in touch with you if they want to work with you? Do you do any sort of video chat or distance counseling for anyone? I do. I do online work with couples. Um, so if you're not in the Seattle area, we can um, mm-hmm. work that way. And then I have my practice um, in Seattle and um, in South Lake Union. So you can always get in touch with me, touch with me that way. Um, working towards getting the step parent support group kind of up and running again. Um, I know that our listeners would be like, please, 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 especially if it was virtual because we have people from all over the world. And I'm just, I mean, I'm tooting my own horn, but I think everybody needs to be working virtually to be able to reach the masses. But, um, do you have a website that they can go to, to find you and find out more about you? Yes, it is a pnwfamilytherapy.com. So like PNW Pacific Northwest, Northwest yeah, familytherapy.com. Um, and I mean, when I was going over all this today and I was talking to my husband, we're like, you need to write a book. So look out for that. I think I'm going to something um, because it was funny. I wrote all this stuff. I'm like, I'm going to go online and look. I'm like, yeah, I already said all that stuff. So um, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I have a lot of knowledge and I, I think why people, um, step parents come to me or blended families come to me is because that it's my life too. It's not just mm-hmm. me doing this therapy thing. It's like, I can get every part of the, I know what it's like to be a stepmom. I know what it's like to be a stepkid. And, you know, I kind of know all the different roles of what that feels like. Um, yeah. You really have that, that sense of empathy for each yes. person. Your kids in school. And my kids are in school. I said, now yeah. you have a ton of free time because your kids are in school. So much free time. Yeah. <laughs> and all my free time. Aside, exactly. Yeah. Aside from I all the baking. I might have a bake sale as well one day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Good. I'm lucky that I, get to refer, <clears throat> I get to refer to Beth in town or Pacific Northwest therapy, which is a great resource for me. Um, I, I endorse it as a local Seattle therapist. So that's, we got that going. That's awesome. Yeah. You guys are both in the Seattle area and now I'm in Bend, Oregon. So, uh, yeah, I'll just refer to myself. <laughs> Thanks guys. Okay. Well, um, let's wrap it up. And if uh, any of our listeners have any questions, they can always filter them through to us and we can pass them off to Beth at any point, but it's Beth Wiley, W Y L I E Pacific Northwest family therapy, PNW family therapy.com. Uh, okay. Thanks Beth. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's fun. Okay. See ya. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. Something that's on my mind right now as I'm preparing for a talk next week is the art of play in relationships and families. And I just wanted to challenge all of you to find ways to introduce play into your everyday lives, whether it be uh, taking a little bit of time out to play a board game, uh, shutting the television off and sitting around and building a big, massive fort in your living room, whatever it might be, find ways to play with your partner on an ordinary Tuesday. Thanks so much for all of your time and energy that you're putting into making your relationship better today than it was yesterday.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.